Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. Hi, I'm Brian Heater, and we're here at the Anchor Studio. Yes, I believe we are actually the very first people to use their recording studio. Um, Jordan is not with us because she has a cool setup at her own apartment, and also she does not like to leave her apartment. I'm also just lazy, yeah. This is where I live and work and do everything else. There's a dirty river between us, too. Uh, very dirty there's ways to get across it without swimming through it though so i don't think that's accurate the the dirtiness of the river really affects travel but yeah i I hear you did you see the um the story from the the it was like a month or two ago about the google employee who does takes the paddle boat you know like like the surfboard and the single paddle that's not true yeah yeah yeah. no no every day wait wakeboard like he wakeboards from brooklyn into what is he wearing as he does this i have a lot of problems with this I, I saw I saw somebody took a photo from a, a ferry of like him like wearing business attire on it. So as long as he doesn't fall off, it's fine. It's real. I mean, he's Google, so he I'm sure he's a an idiot savant in his own way. Um, well, so as uh, regular lis- listeners will know, what we do on this podcast is we discuss some of the latest streaming and entertainment news, and then we review a new show on one of the various streaming services. This week, we're going to review. Dis- I keep getting confused. Disenchantment. Meant. Yeah, I, d- I did that uh, I, in the. Um, what do you guys think it is? Disenchanted, right? Right. I keep thinking it's disenchanted. Was it? Wasn't there a movie? Wasn't there a disenchanted movie about like? Um, it was. Like, there was enchanted. There was enchanted. That's why. Yeah. Okay. I think disenchanted might be a better name, but I haven't thought that once. I've always thought disenchantment. So You're just on top of it. Who knows? Well, it's got us talking, and that's the important thing. <laughs> There's the no the right. In yes. television, okay. Actually, um. there is. I, the what was the um, what's the new Netflix show that everybody is like shitting on right now? Oh, insatiable it's, it fat shames. Yeah, yeah. We should review that next week. Uh, uh-uh, uh. I don't want to be a part of it, honestly. All right, fair enough. I think it's fair to say that we're all we're all gonna say this is an awful show that we didn't that was both just bad television and also just not culturally appropriate. You should find somebody on staff who thinks it's a great idea and just ambush them. Well, it was also one of these. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> more sh- more fat shaming, please. When the trailer came out, everyone was like, "Oh, this seems like a fat shaming show. Why are you doing this, Netflix?" And Netflix was like, "No, no, no. When you see the whole show, then you'll understand what we're trying to do here." And then everyone, then the reviews hit this week, and they're like, "No, this show sucks. It's bad." <laughs> no, actually, we don't see what you're trying to do here. After uh, like. After being all thoughtful on the Nanette episode, I just feel like I should just like be, just go totally off the rails on this one. I don't know if you were that thoughtful. I was pretty thoughtful. Yeah, you were mod- my, moderate. My sister cried. <laughs> Classic dude. In a good way. In He's a good like, way. I thought about other people for once. I'm so thoughtful. <laughs> it was mansplaining, but it was uh, emotional mansplaining. It was emos. Em- 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 I'm so, so working good on that portmanteau. Through that lesbian sexual harassment comedy comedy show okay well whatever let's let's go on so we have news anthony we sure do um so the first one i think is something that brian and and perhaps you're excited about which is apple is ordering a show from the creators of it's always sunny in philadelphia love it already love it yep uh i mean so it's still uh it's one of those 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 variety scoops which you know is definitely true and apple probably officially told them through some unofficial right. it was just like we were too lazy to put out an actual press release um and to get it approved by everyone so we just had our pr people call you and, tell and you let's what it is. and let's improve our relationship with variety so it looks like they have a scoop and we'll give it to you on background but i like to think that there are variety writers who are just bffs with the it's always sunny creators to be honest that's like I mean, maybe. Far more glamorous. What you guys said is actually true, but I I interviewed them. Um, oh God, probably like seven years ago at at uh, San Diego Comic Con, and it was um, I'm not gonna say the actress names because I can never remember it. But it was Mac Charlie, uh, uh, uh yep, uh, no, no, it was Dennis. Mac Dennis. No, it was Mac Dennis and D. And Charlie wasn't there. I I th- he might have been like he was probably filming um. Pacific Rim at the time is my guess, um, but they were they were joking that he had just died, and they were being very dry about it. So it was like this entire thing, and like I did an interview with them about how he had died, and and like the other reporters in the room were shocked. I had to explain it to them afterwards that he had not in fact died. My point is that entertainment reporters are very stupid. 
Uh, tech reporters can be pretty stupid, too. I mean, to be fair. <sighs> Let's not talk about the media being stupid. It's not the right time. That's true. Too um, soon. Too soon. Too soon. Uh, I, I, so I'm a huge, huge It's Always Sunny fan. I think I've established that on the show for our regular listeners. But um, I wonder why Dennis didn't get involved in this. Because I think for It's Always Sunny, if I'm correct, Rob was the mac the guy who plays mac was like mm-hmm. kind of the 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 mastermind behind it all but then the guy who plays dennis and then charlie day were both super super involved in their co-creators of the show or or co-writers yeah so so the 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 sort of the genesis behind the show uh so glenn is glenn is the guy who plays dennis um glenn howerton there we yeah. go uh, so it started, it started off as just like a super like budget, like a short film. I don't know if it was a, a student film or what, but it was just a, yeah, it was like, like a, a pilot. I've seen that, that, yeah. that like short episode of the first episode that's like on handheld cameras in like public spaces. It's pretty great. So it was, it was, yeah, it was Rob's baby. And then they, they got involved and, and yeah, it was like the, in their production company, but I'm pretty sure that Glenn is kind of phasing out at this point. I'm, I, I read something recently because they just ordered season 14 and I read something recently that he's like not going to be in it a lot. So I, I think he's probably going off and pr- pursuing other things. Uh, um, you know, D has been for quite some time. She uh, what was the name of the Mick? She had her own sitcom. She had the Mick and she's been in a handful of pretty big uh, movies. So has Charlie Day. Um, like Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. I, and other stuff. So, yeah, I'm like, I, I, you know, Anthony, you and I have talked about this quite a bit and I like, I have not seen a lot. Apple has ordered a lot of things and I have not seen a lot on the docket that has gotten me genuinely excited. But this is something I'm very excited about because a, um, I, uh, uh, Jordan, me, you and Lucas, I think are like the three really big, it's always sunny nerds on staff. I, it, I think it's one of the funniest TV shows of the past decade. So there's that. And then there's also the element of the fact that it takes place in a gaming studio it's co-produced by uh, Ubisoft, and you know, and, and I, 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 I might have said this on the show before, but I can't watch Silicon Valley because it makes me nervous. <laughs> I can't either. It I stresses same, me out so yeah. much. It's like Shark Tank almost. Like I almost can't watch Shark Tank either because I'm like, oh my god, this is one completely unrealistic, and two, like if I hear another entrepreneur pitch their shit, I'm gonna lose it. You know. my, my my sister uh, my my sister emailed me the other day and was like I just started watching Silicon Valley and you guys are all over that thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think, but yeah, I, I watched the first episode and first I was first of all I was like no one outside of San Francisco is un- gonna understand yeah. this show. This is gonna last half a season, right? Um, and then I was also like I can't watch this, um, and I only basically watched it when I felt like I had to watch it for work. So this might be. I mean, th- th- this this is something like it might be kind of close, but I, I don't think it's going to like really be like uncanny valley for me. The the Ubisoft thing is an interesting element too because they're they're co-producers along with Lionsgate, so I think that that might be a good thing for realism. My my chief concern is that this just like becomes like a a product plug platform for them. Well, and you got to remember too, like of all of the of silicon video game culture and game developer culture isn't necessarily within the realm of Silicon Valley culture. They have like their parallels obviously, and they do similar ish jobs, but like gaming culture is just very different. I feel like from um, what is typically considered like to be Silicon Valley or like startup culture. Right. I feel like there's like a a Venn diagram of certainly there are, um, people in Silicon Valley who also come from like a gaming background and, and there are gaming companies in Silicon Valley, but then there are other companies that they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're not the same thing. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, the hub for gaming development is really like in, in Canada and Toronto and stuff, right? Like it's just also just geographically, there are a lot of differences there. The, the other, um, the, the the other potential downside here is that along with the fact that as far as we know, D and Dennis are not involved. Uh, Charlie is a a co writer, but I I don't know that he's actually going to be in it, which is unfortunate because super he's, unfortunate. He's, he's the funniest thing in it. I mean, he's it's a gold. very funny show, but he is so funny in that show. Do do we have a sense of like how they're going to balance making this show and uh, it's always sunny at the same time? It's 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 super early days. I I think that. Um, 
And uh, Jordan, you might know better than I am because I'm like, I'm always just sort of watching these things on streaming services a year after they come out. But I don't know that It's Always Sunny is like coming out regularly, yearly. I think it, they're like, they're all doing other things. They're taking hiatuses. So there is a possibility to kind of cram a show in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm not really sure about that. But that might also be easier if it's like these guys are in the writer's room, but not necessarily like on the set shooting every day for this Apple show and, and potentially can then spend more time, you know, pursuing it's working on it's always sunny or other pursuits well yeah. and like we have to remember too like their actors do tv shows and movies at the same time or almost at the same time very regularly too like it's not completely unheard of to be working on two projects at once so um what one fun fact before we move on to the next piece of news that i'm not sure everybody knows about if you're a big it's always sunny fan mac uh rob McElhenney and the Kate Olson, oh, is that yeah. her name? Kate Olson, yep. are married in mm-hmm. real life, which is great. But also Charlie and the and the waitress are married in real mm-hmm. life, and I just love that. I think that's like the funniest thing in the entire world that Charlie married the waitress in real life. Do you, and he do spends... you watch the show, Anthony? Do you understand why that's funny? I have never seen an episode. So of it's always so, funny. Charlie... so just watch the first one and the last one. Maybe. Okay, <laughs> that's Charlie is like essentially like a. I don't, he's I don't a stalker. Even know how to he's a stalker. He's, he's a stalker, he, he stalks but he her. also has the mental capacity of like a twelve-year-old, maybe. Like he he doesn't. He's so dumb, and he stalks her, and he's completely madly in love with her, and she hates him the whole show long, like literally all show long. There's one episode where she kind of likes him, but I think they're like tripping on Molly or something. Yeah, he like he meets her. He meets her wandering down a beach. Yeah, and they like. God, I know way too much together. about this show. <laughs> But anyways, the point is that, like, it's funny to me that those two actors got married when they've spent, like, literally 13 years on camera pretending. Well, her pretending that she can't stand him. I just like it. It's just a fun fact. Okay, Anthony? Jeez. Uh, if I could say something totally off topic, I got a little a slack from uh, Matthew Lindley, who is who's leaving us. So, RIP Matthew Lindley. Oh, good good I dude. I don't know how uh, out that information is. So. Okay. Well, I mean, I think it'll probably be no, no. He's he tweeted it. Um, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Getting mess. I've been getting messages from other people uh, about it. Um, the the massively, the much more massively successful TechCrunch podcast. Well, Equity is accurate, but also hurtful. So I don't like to. I mean, and maybe now that Matt Lindley's not on it, it's just going to fall apart, and this will be our opening to really overtake. Equity. Or it'll be your. Yeah, it'll like, be Jordan's well, opening to be a co-host on it. <laughs> We're not trying to be snobby, okay? Like, I don't even, I can't even begin on equity. We just watch TV shows and we're proud of it. So That's true. Occasionally movies. Anyway, yeah, yes. Movie. Best, best of luck to Matthew Lindley. Yeah, bye, Matt. Um, so I think the other piece bye, of news we wanted <laughs> <laughs> to discuss was, so Disney, uh, we've known about this Disney streaming service um, for, for a while now. Although, have, have they been, have they been, um, official about it or how much of this is leaks and how much of this it's is actually- official because okay. i mean part of this was them stating openly that they were not going to renew their deal with netflix which was which is why like all these different disney movies including Marvel. and star wars yeah um that those are basically between i think so for 2017 and 2018 all that stuff is going on to um and 2016 yeah yeah so the, basically this three-year period um all the disney stuff is on netflix but that is going to stop, I think, um, as of next year. And they're launching their own streaming service, which we knew about. Um, but they kind of continue to, to put out some information about it. One was in this, I think, longer profile about their plans in the New York Times, where there was um, an estimate for how much they're going to pay for their Star Wars show, which is $100 million for the first season. Which actually sounds reasonable, <laughs> to be honest. Right. I think it, it just speaks to how expensive TV has gotten at that upper end, that if you're going to make um, you know, a big budget... It's a Star Wars show, and it's a live-action Star Wars show. It's going to be expensive. Right. And, and I mean, when we started talking about this, I was looking up how much Game of Thrones costs, and I think $10 million per episode has been the... Um, kind of what, what the going rate, and then is it true that the last season of Game of Thrones is going to take place in space? <laughs> oh, half of it will be, <laughs> that would in space. be amazing. <laughs> It'll be on all. <laughs> uh, just a reminder: Brian has not seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. Game of Space Thrones, <laughs> um, and I just I like being like 
having at least one situation where I'm not the one who's like sitting there being like, what are you guys talking about? Honestly, neither of you are even allowed to speak the words. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but talk about Game of Thrones. Like, so you know. <laughs> it's going to be a big budget. So it's just going to, it's going to be like Disney is going to be spending a lot of money to like make this uh, service work. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be the tentpole show. It's got to be right? presumably. I mean, they, They've talked about potentially doing Marvel shows, doing other Star Wars content. I mean, they've they've also announced that they're going to put the uh, they're going to create a new final season of the Clone Wars and the animated series and put that on there. I imagine that's not going to be as uh, you know big or as expensive. What is happening to 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 Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that? Um, as of right now, there are no plans to um, to end those or take those off Netflix because I think that would be a real um just from a pr perspective not it, it, it would just like really annoy a lot of people and and so it to me it, it seems obvious that it makes more sense that you let those continue on netflix you're not necessarily creating new shows with netflix but but you let those kind of run their course it i mean a, a, a by default a star wars show is going to be more of a temple show or marvel shows because there's there's a lot of those in the world already this is going to be a novelty a live action star wars show and uh i have faith in John Favreau's ability to do a pretty competent show. Yeah, uh, although, I mean, it's funny because if he, he's been involved in a lot of like shows where he'll sort of get an executive producer credit, direct the first episode, and then isn't super involved. And um, most a lot of these shows are forgotten at this point. That's actually a good segue to the subject of the episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know exactly how, how involved he's going to be, but, but I think this is something that certainly Disney is, is going to be putting a, a big push into. It's also just interesting thinking about in the context of, you know, one of the last Star Wars projects that George Lucas had wanted to make was a live-action TV show, and they just could never make the financials work because it would, making a Star Wars TV show is super expensive, and, and it just never made any sense. Uh, so, like, we're, like, finally at the point where either Disney is willing to, like, write big enough checks and you know, I guess television production has gotten to the point where, where it, it, it can work. So it's, it's twofold, right? It's, it's that, that, that Disney has a, an investment in this. This is its project. So obviously it, it's really concerned that, that it succeeds. And, and two, um, when, when George Lucas was involved, I mean, this was right after episode three, if I remember correctly, and they were talking about doing it on like UPN or whatever at the time. And there just, there wasn't prestige television the way there is now. Right, right. That like, HBO was doing drama, but they weren't doing big budget genre shows yet. Um, so one other thing that came out, uh, and I don't think this is definite yet, but it sounds like one of the things that Disney is considering is, so they recently launched this streaming service for ESPN called ESPN Plus. They are also, with the acquisition of Fox, um, they will become a majority owner of Hulu, and then they're going to have this Disney service, which still doesn't have an official name yet. Um, I think some people are calling it Disney Flicks. Um, I, I think we can be pretty confident that's not going to be the actual name. <laughs> um, but the idea that they could actually offer some sort of subscription to all three, like a bundle, um, which for some reason that that suddenly made it seem a lot more. I, I don't know. Any, I think I feel like anytime I, I, even though I'm not somebody who's super responsive to like discounts and sales and things like that, for some reason when I heard that, in the same way when I heard about like Apple potentially bundling some of its different services together, I'm like, yes, now I might sign up for it. <sighs> yeah, I, I wrote a I wrote an article about this before, and I feel even more strongly about it now. Is 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 the sort of the fragmentation of these services? It, I mean, it, it's it's basically it's it, they're kind of like reinventing cable in a way, right? I mean, I you know I I cut the cord a long time ago, and I've been very happy just subscribing to Netflix, and now this idea of like, um, uh. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine calls them like leeches, like, you know, of like, of you know, all these like five or ten dollar a month services per month that adds up really quickly. Right. And so it, it definitely is something that's not necessarily great for consumers to have all these different services. I think it, the flip side is that it's not great for like the creative community in Hollywood if there's only like Netflix and 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 every you know they're the ones who get to write the big. I mean, particularly now as as the box office and and the big screen experience um, is is having a really hard time. Um, if Netflix is the only player in town, then or Netflix and Amazon, then uh, you know that just sort of limits the opportunities. You know, only a couple. You know, there just gives them a disproportionate amount of power. So I think in that sense, I think a lot of people are probably happy. A lot of people in Hollywood are happy that there are all these different. Um, services competing, but I think I agree that that there's almost inevitably got to be some sort of consolidation or 
some rethinking of the business model so you're not just, you know, paying for like seven different like $10 to $20 a month services. It, it could be actually a really good opportunity for um, an Apple and an Amazon or Roku to offer up some sort of like a la carte service to find some way to really to kind of bundle them all together. Yeah, I agree. I think to, to what extent, you know, these individual players will want to participate in that, I, I don't know. But I think certainly this is a first in the same way that, you know, I, I, as we mentioned, um, Apple potentially bundling its music, news and TV uh, services into one subscription. Like these seem like like steps towards that. Um, yeah, but I don't know that there's a lot else to say about this. Uh, it seems like we'll, we'll kind of see as what happens when it actually launches. I mean, the other it does th- seem like that. <laughs> it also seems like we've been talking a lot. I mean, these are all services that aren't going to launch for, I mean, in the Disney case, I think until the end of 2019. Yeah, we will probably all be dead by then. I mean, I can't <laughs> say for sure. I intend to be alive. I, I absolutely intend to be alive. I'm living every day like, <laughs> like it's going to be the end of the world. He says as he takes a deep sip of coffee. Oh, this is this is all whiskey. Oh, great. Um, all right. Should we move on to disenchantment? Mint. Every time nice. I have to think about it. It's not <laughs> it's not a great name. I mean, it, it's an it's a decent name. It, it does. You know, it, it, it paints a picture of sorts. Right. And we, I so think it's we, fine. Right. So the context here is that this is a new show from Matt. Graining. Graining, yes. Um, the creator of The Simpsons, also of Futurama. Um, Life in Hell. Life in Hell. Great alt-weekly strip. Um, and it, well, I mean, Brian, I mean, you've, I mean. I've spoken to the man. You've spoken to the man. So, I mean, but also tell us a little bit about the, the concept of the show. How would you describe it? Uh, yeah, I, I, as I told you the other day, you know, I was asking if you had watched it and, you know, like a good podcast host you told me that you're saving the conversation for the podcast which is smart but uh i've been wanting to talk to somebody about this for a while because i uh i, I interviewed matt graining a, a couple of weeks ago and watched the the first two episodes a couple of weeks before that so I, i've been thinking about it quite a bit and um i'm not entirely sure what my feelings on it are at this point um uh so it, it's interesting for a number of reasons um you know it's not it's not just like The Simpsons or Futurama in you know medieval fantasy world. Um, it's kind of its own thing, and I think one of the things that makes it really interesting is, um, and I, I assume you're going to probably link to the interview in the in the notes of this. If you play your cards right, okay, uh, I will because I'm going to make it very important that you actually read said interview, and I will continue to plug it throughout the conversation. Um, you know, one of one of the the questions that I wanted to ask Matt Groening from the top was, to what degree uh, working with a service like like a Netflix or an Amazon or Hulu sort of influenced the creation of the show. Um, you know whether it was the opportunity to work with them that really, you know, the, the guy's probably worth like half a billion dollars at this point. Like he doesn't need to get out of bed in the morning if he doesn't want to. You know he needs some sort of like compelling reason to like go down to the studio. Um, and what he said is that he, you know, he's he's been interesting interested in fantasy. Um, since, you know, he was, he was a kid started with like the Rocky and Bullwinkle fractured fairy tales. And he, based on the, you, you probably are, are, you're definitely a better judge of this, Anthony, but based on the conversation, um, it sounds like he's like a pretty, pretty good fantasy nerd. Like he's really into that stuff and probably a big sci-fi nerd as well. And the thing that Netflix affords you that you don't get with, um, you know, sort of a, a, a standard, network sitcom where everything is you know 22 minutes long and then everything has to reset at the end because you can't really expect that somebody will have watched an entire series to know like the arcs is that like most people who watch things on netflix binge them so you have an opportunity to actually build a real narrative story arc structure that you don't have to that you don't have with you know a simpsons or a futurama so that's a big part of the show that's that's a really important thing to understand going into it because i and we talked about this but i do think it gets off to a, a fairly slow start and that's part of it um he said a, a an implicit part of fantasy are not only sort of like world building but sort of like some of these reveals of deeper things one of the things he says in the interview is the first thing you see in the first episode is a very fundamental reveal of a very important aspect of the show I I'm now I'm like desperately trying to remember what the first thing we saw in the first episode was. I went back and and, and rewatched that scene just because of it, and it's it's um, princess. Sorry, it's been a while since I uh, princess, princess Bean. Bean. 
Princess Bean, uh, played by Abby from Broad City, um, she's she's in bed. I'm pretty sure she's hungover, and the sort of the chambermaid like walks up to the window and opens the curtains. Oh, okay. Wait, but this, isn't there no? Because before that, you see her in a bar, don't you? No. Af- after that, it, it it goes to the scene where she's oh, um, okay. she's gambling. Okay, like a flashback. Okay. All right, I guess we'll at some point figure out what that means. He said he was he was he said he was like this. I, this is a very bad hint. Okay. <laughs> it's like you know, and he and he's been very open about it, and I don't think anybody's really put it together. So I don't feel that stupid for not having put it together. Jordan, what do you think of the show? I like it a lot, and you know, I really don't enjoy cartoons for adults. I never really have, and like there are a couple not even that sexy obviously... cartoons. <laughs> no, especially. Um, like there are a couple that like I've I've liked throughout the years and like haven't been a huge fan of but tolerated like I'll watch it if it's on kind of thing like The Simpsons is definitely one of them. Actually, when I was a kid, funny story, my mom wouldn't let me watch The Simpsons. Same. Like everyone watched it, you know. I was like, oh, The Simpsons. Same with South Park. My mom was like, no, these are adult shows, and I was like, they're cartoons. And she's like, yeah, but are you listening? Um, and I was like, no, because I can't watch it. Anyways, so. Uh, South Park, Bob's Burgers, Simpsons are all that I've like kind of tolerated, I guess. And I find this to be much better than all of those, to be honest. Wow. Um, I've only watched two episodes, but I've really, really enjoyed them. Like there, there are some quote unquote cartoons for adults, like um, what's it called? Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no Adventure Time. Adventure yeah. Time. That's that, that is for kids. well, Adventure Time. I think no, is, it's not. Well, it's I think it's something that ostensibly is maybe for kids but yeah. then it's, it's been embraced by adults sure. like all like the there are a lot of really passionate adventure brothers is for adults here's here's what i guess the point that i'm making is like i don't like i don't like the the line being blurred do you know what i mean like ad, adventure time always feels like they're saying something under the covers and like i think of children watching it and it makes me really upset <laughs> it's like always some weird innuendo or like some bizarre thing and you're like wait hold on um with this it's more like you weave in and out of the idea of being in this enchanted place that actually isn't and everything especially like uh it's a disenchanted Bean. place yeah when she talks about um i don't know like her father makes her marry a pig and she's just like what the hell you know like i it 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 weaves between those two things in a really funny, awesome way. And every once in a while, a joke hits you and you're like, that could be a joke. That could be a joke on like a, on a, on a primetime sitcom right now too. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just, I really like it. I, I, I find it really fun. Um, I, I agree that I, I'm really enjoying it. I, I do think it's pretty uneven right now. And I mean, some of that is it, it, there, it does have this feel, which I think you kind of got in both the Simpsons and, Futurama too of just like putting a lot of stuff in there and you know some of that will work for that that some of the jokes will work for different audiences so I think there are some things where like somebody will say something and I'm like I recognize that as a joke but I feel nothing and then there are other parts where I I was just like laughing hysterically um and I, I found actually the first episode in particular to be not that funny for me um except for like the one gag at the wedding and, and what happens to her first uh husband I really liked, but everything it's else, in the trailer. Yeah, every so like that his yeah he sticks his head on a, on a sword and <laughs> it kind of comes to me this like recurring gag. Uh, but everything else, I was just like, yeah, this isn't really that funny. And and to me, it like really picked up in the second episode and and the subsequent episodes. It does pick up in later episodes. I thought so. I thought it just became funnier, at least funnier for me. I don't Wait, know. you've only seen the first two, though. Right? No, I've seen. Wait, yeah. are there, oh, are there more? I yeah. have. I've seen the first two. I've seen, well, it's, I, so they, uh, they gave us like seven, right? Yeah. They gave us seven episodes and I have seen four. And I will also say this is sort of relevant in terms of our conversation about the serialization was, um, because I was trying to get this all in before the podcast. Um, I was just like very quickly just sort of clicking on each next episode. Um, and they were not in my Netflix media account in, uh, you know, chronological order. So I had jumped ahead from the second to the fifth episode. And oh, there's no. definitely a thing at the beginning where they're like talking about something like, oh, that's weird that they didn't show this on screen. Um, and and then like, but then I was, it was like actually fine. Like I like watching it out of order didn't bother me at all. I, I didn't even realize it until like I like looked at the next few episodes. I was like, wait a second. That, oh, that's weird. 
Um, so like there is I feel this like narrative. The first show was slowest because of the narrative. Like I, yeah. I feel like they had they had spent so much time setting it up. So if, if we haven't, I don't know. I wasn't really paying close attention to you guys for a minute there, but <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. But um, are you sorry? Like, You're not did sorry. we? S- no. Do we set up the actual premise of the show, like Princess really. Bean with Elfo and Lucy? Okay, so I'll do that. So yeah, do it. The show is in this place called Dreamland, which is like a. I actually got like some Game of Thrones, like Lord of the Rings vibes from from it. Obviously, cartoon style, but it's like this big, um, medieval style land on a cliff with a waterfall, and she's the princess, and her dad's kind of a jerk. And there's um, an elf who lives in the elf forest called, and his name is Elfo. <laughs> they also have elves named Levo and Returno. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but the elf decides he wants to leave because he's sick of always feeling happy and only tasting sweet things. He wants to try something savory. And like he mentions mustard and the they, they make like, what the hell they why ma- would you want mustard? <laughs> they manufacture candy in exchange for candy. <laughs> so he decides he wants a life beyond happiness and sweetness and sugary goodness so he leaves he's the first elf to leave in a really long time and then also there's this demon in the form of a cat named lucy who appears and i'm actually eric andre maybe you guys can fill in on this because he just he appears and i know there were evil people standing over a fire being like yeah. oh, lucy's doing a job but i don't i don't not really sure i followed that plot point as carefully as i should but he, he's her personal demon personal demon yeah but like for what purpose the people that sent him for oh, what that, purpose i don't think do that's clear yet it's that they have some sort of greater plan uh, nefarious purposes jordan <laughs> yeah yeah they have a plan but we don't know what it is um and he's there like kind of like the the little demon on your shoulder like oh you should definitely do that like that won't have any bad repercussions and it's gonna feel really good to do this awful thing so he's constantly like that but he's pretty funny and dry he's more comic relief than he is an actual antagonist right or like almost like this agent of chaos that he's just always like oh yeah do the like the ridiculous thing a real loki yeah um and so that's like the setup really is like this princess trying to get what she wants. She doesn't want to get married. Her father is setting up some sort of peace accord with another kingdom through her marriage and she doesn't want to get married. And so it's just her dealing with that with the very clueless and happy Elfo and um, and Lucy, who is kind of very dry and and more smooth criminal type. Um, and it's very funny. And I and I like it. And I don't remember what point I was trying to make, maybe other than just setting you were that just up. Setting it up, yeah. Oh, but I here, I guess the the overall point is that like the first episode really kind of I don't feel like it was labored necessarily, but it was really like putting all these pieces on on the chessboard and that like just took some time. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if it was like the best, best episode. I've only seen two, but I really enjoyed the second one much more than the first one. And I think a lot of that had to do with just like getting everything set up for the narrative to start taking place and i do see the potential i'll have to watch more but i see the potential to like pick up where without having seen the last few episodes and being fine which is funny because this is on netflix there would be absolutely no reason to start midway through yeah i am like i said before it's something that they're afforded because it is netflix or is the ability to do that that people probably aren't going to sort of like not tune into the show because you've already invested that so you can do a little world world building there um, I, I have more complicated feelings okay. about it because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm this sort of lone, like really big Simpsons fan in the bunch. And I feel, and the Simpsons are just like a, a part of my DNA. Like they've, they've imprinted their image into me, um, was also, was a big Futurama fan as well. I, I do Futurama is the Simpsons granted got off to a slow start it was it was pretty rough for the first couple of years I, you know i think most people will agree that the real prime episodes were somewhere around like between seasons five and ten or like when it was really firing on all cylinders um so so you know and, and futurama's the same way futurama started a little slow but if you really watch it it get, it goes really deep like there are some episodes that are just some of the most complex and mind-boggling things that I've watched on television 
in the context of a cartoon show about a space delivery service. Um, this, I, I what I what I find compelling about this. I mean, the, the world building part is interesting. Anthony's, you know, I'm like not a, not a big fantasy fan. I'm not, you know not even that big of a sci-fi guy. I find that aspect interesting. I think what they're doing here that's really good, and this is something that that Matt Groening um, has addressed in several interviews, is it's not a Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings parody show. So you're not sitting there waiting for those references. If this was like, you know, the Family Guy episode where they're doing Lord of the Rings, like it would be entirely parodies and that would it would run out of steam really quickly. So I'm I'm glad there's they're not doing that. The other thing that I really appreciate, um, aside from the fact that it's a very talented and we mentioned some of the the, the voice cast, Abby Jacobson, um, you know, Eric Andre, um, there's a lot of very funny BBC actors in this as well. Uh, Matt Berry plays her uh, potential betrothed. Uh, he he's was on uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Super funny. That character is hilarious. Right, and he has such a distinctive voice. That's how he talks. That's that's his voice. What does he say? What is his name again? He's like, "Hello, ladies. I'm." Very cool. I don't need to know your names. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, whatever. <laughs> names are very kind of like, all right, whatever. You're the guy with this face and this voice. I mean, that that's the way he, he's like. He's very funny. There there are guys from uh, 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 the Mighty Boosh in it. So um, I think that that's going to be a really interesting aspect of an, a, a, an opportunity for them to really branch out with some of the comedy here. Um, you know, and one of the other influences that, that Graining mentioned was, um, was Python. And I think that's going to play in it as well. So it'll be interesting to see. How those mix together? How I mean, Eric Andre. Have you have I have you guys ever watched the Eric Andre show? No. It, it it's just one of the most insane, absurdist pieces of um, avant-garde comedy in in recent years. It's like Tim and Eric. Like it's it, imagine a weirder Tim and Eric, and you're approaching the Eric Andre show. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and he's yeah he's great as as Lucy. Um, and I mean to your other point, I, I as you were talking about the idea of like. Because I think people, when people heard about it, they sort of t- immediately started talking about it as a fantasy parody. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it doesn't feel like it's that. And in fact, I was sort of hard pressed to think of anything, any jokes that felt like references. All the jokes are. There are more... like fairy tale kind of jokes in there. Like right. the elves are, you know, clear, like Snow White, kind of a Snow White knockoff. Right. I mean, I guess, and there's maybe slightly Smurf like too, sure. but, but it, it's not like a thing where. You, it's funny because you recognize where it's fun. It's usually much more sort of like slapstick or absurdist or, you know, really gross in some cases, which I really like. There's not like a wacky Gollum character walking around. I think the funniest jokes are the ones that bring like a modern day mentality to this like old school world. Like all of the men-woman dynamics are really funny. Um, the one about the the whole scene with Elfo in the middle of the war. And he like oh, doesn't yeah. know what war is, and they're, <laughs> and and they're like, like gruesomely yeah. killing each other, and he's like, "War, yay, let's do it!" You know, is he just, "I'm making new friends. We're gonna go meet those new people." Um, and I just thought that stuff was really funny. I think the funniest jokes are the ones that are like, that kind of make fun of how ridiculous that, even though it's fictional, it's obviously set in old times. So I think those are some of the funniest jokes. I, th- I think that the 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 setup of of the three lead characters is a really good foundation. I mean, I think I think they'll they'll end up playing off each other quite well. Um, I, I do wonder, you know, since it is a, an ongoing narrative, I do wonder like how long this sort of like the prin- the prince is chasing her thing can really maintain. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's basically done. Okay, I looked at my I only have two <laughs> screeners, so. Uh, yeah, no, that that's basically it. I, and I was reading some of the other like reviews of of people who who actually watched all seven of the episodes released to the press, and I think it seems like a show that has these sort of cadences of um, mini arcs, where like a, you know a couple epi- the, each episode will kind of lead into the other, but it's not like one big plot necessarily for the whole season. Um, maybe I mean maybe like Lucy's role will be because they they definitely do keep cutting back to these you know two sinister looking figures who are talking about this demon that they've sent i mean usually those scenes are like the least interesting part of of any given episode but luckily they're they're brief um but uh so maybe that'll come to a head at the end of the season but otherwise it it feels like you know that they are taking advantage of the fact that they don't have to wrap everything up neatly at the end of every episode but they're not necessarily treating it as like one big story at the same time yeah it was um i think it was picked up for two seasons from the start. So at the very least, like they've got some lead time to do some interesting things there. 
Um, one other thing I, I, I noticed was um, the fact that David X. Cohen, who I think, because we were talking- He was a Futurama guy. Right, I think was basically the driving force behind Futurama for, for most of the time that it was on. And, and that, that is one of the things that the, you, I think, alluded to earlier, Brian, was the fact that Matt Groening tends to be the creator. He designs a lot of it. Had, all of his shows have this sort of distinctive look. But as they go on, he tends not to be a super hands-on showrunner. There's somebody else who's the showrunner. Um, so I'm curious to what extent he's going to be involved in the show and to what extent other people are, are going to be running it. Um, and certainly, I mean, David X. Cohen, I mean, just from um, just interviews I've like read with him and, and what I know about Futurama, I mean, he just seems like a, like a delightful guy. I mean, I also just like the second, second episode a lot more than I like the first. So, and, and I know that with comedies, like it's a little bit of a mistake to just attribute everything to the credited writer because I think a lot of that comes out of the, the writer's the room. room. Yeah. But, but still, like, I'm like, yeah, like David X. Cohen, he seems cool. Like, let's have him more involved. Yeah, it's a good it's a good room. I mean, it, it's it's Cohen, you know, graining. I think you're probably pretty right about about his role. Um, he does some character design. He he sort of creates it. He he um, you know buys all his Maybeck cars with all of the massive massive money that he made. Uh, Josh Weinstein, who is also heavily involved uh, in both The Simpsons and Futurama, is involved as well. And one of the things that uh, that that graining told me was um, that you know they're I, they're trying to do a job a good job of I mean, it, the, it sounds like the writers' room is like half like old Futurama and Simpsons dudes, and then like like younger people that they're bringing in to like breathe some life into. And one of the one of the funnier things that he said during the conversation after the whole bit about dying in a Homer Simpson mask was um, that they he's like, yeah, we've got these like these got these younger kids in the room who just don't think our references to to thirty. The comedians from the 30s and 40s are that funny <laughs> that they just that like he, he said basically he said you know that the women in the room like leave the room when we start talking about the three stooges um, well I, I i also wonder about um and, and i know that like this this is something that he didn't want to talk about with you and and i think completely understandably i don't think there's like anything wrong with it like he didn't want to talk about the apu uh, controversy and there is something an aspect of you know that the guys who kind of are credited as the creators and executive producers of the show are all like middle-aged to late middle-aged to old white guys for the most part. And I think that's something that's um, not, obviously like that's led to like incredible success, but at this point, that's not really what you want a writer's room to look like. And, and you know, Disenchanted, again, I had to think about it. Um, you got it wrong. And I got it too. wrong. And Disenchantment is not like a, political show and doesn't have like aggressively like political elements but it, it, it you know they, it does like make a point of like having um a woman as the lead which i think is also like the first for uh, a granny show i mean there's definitely like you know important uh female characters in yeah shows. i mean like lila lila was a really like good strong character in futurama yeah yeah and so it's not to say that the other shows were bad in this respect but it's the first one where like if you were to like, pick the first you know the lead character um it would be at least you you can speak to this uh, better than I can as as I've only seen two episodes. But one one of the things I was I was sort of like worried about was that, um, you know, obviously, Abby Jacobson is is very funny, um, but that it, that it was just gonna like, just sort of like gonna become a cliche that like she was just like a kind of like a you know a gambling like rough talking drinking, you know, kind of kind of roused about that that it that it might not be. I don't know how much opportunity there is in this context anyway. Uh, to really create a three-dimensional character? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I get the sense that that's that they did eventually were able to start doing that in Futurama, and and I could see that happening here. I mean, well, yeah, the Futurama, Futurama, and the, and the, and 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 the Simpsons. I mean, they both like for the fact that they're packed full of jokes have done a pretty good job of creating full, fully fleshed out characters, and you have obviously have more of an opportunity to do this with an ongoing narrative. Yeah, and, and what that means obviously is different from what that means on like The Sopranos or The Wire or something, but like it still is, you know, that they still have like some dimension to them and you like, you know, sympathize and empathize and, and want good things to happen to them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like the characters and, and I do think that like, that some of that perspective of like bringing a modern perspective to this, you know, medieval setting, I'm, I, I would imagine that having, you know, like just some like fresh voices in the room is, is probably a plus. I, I'm hesitant to say the things that I want to say. So she definitely say them. <laughs> she, it seems like she doesn't quite know who she is yet. And I think that that's a f I, they haven't really established her age yet, have they? Um. Yeah. Well, I think she's sort of like 
plays as late teens, early twenties. But, but it's like Romeo and Juliet teenager, right? Like, and but like they've, I don't think they've ever said on screen that she is X. Yeah, age. so you never know. She could be like thirteen, given that that's when they used to like marry these girls off. But then again, it's fictional, so maybe she's like nineteen. I don't really know. But in either case, it's like I'm going to choose to not believe she's thirteen because it makes it less upsetting to me. <laughs> I think, okay, so I don't think it has anything to do with her gender. I just think that there are a lot of people who know all the things that they don't want, but they have no idea what they do want, like the problem people versus the solution people. And she just seems like a problem person. Like, I have a problem with all these things, but I don't actually know what it is that I do want, which I think is pretty realistic. Part of the reason why I ask is, uh, like, take South Park, for example. There's a black character on South Park named Token. <laughs> yes, right I'm i mean familiar. it's like yeah. you know it's like oh we need to introduce diversity in the show here you know like obviously that's i don't a play think that's it. what it is though they're making fun of that no 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 that's what i'm saying that 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 is it's obviously like a, play, a play on yeah. that and it's you know it's probably honestly a play on like franklin and peanuts is um or like you know the one like black character walking around in the background of, of the simpsons um but you know my, my question is is sort of like you know does does this feel you know, does it does it feel like a, a good female character? You know, is is the fact that she's female is that sort of like incidental? Um, you know, it, it, I don't are, think it's are, incidental. I think are, it are the writers doing a good job of of portraying that? I, I mean, like the, those are two different questions. I don't think it's incidental. I think like a female lead in like this type of we have. If you look across the gamut, we have like South Park, Four Boys. We have The Simpsons, which is, like, largely Bart. Like, obviously, Lisa and Marge play a role, but... Um, or Bart and Homer. Um, and Bob's Burgers, you got Bob. You know, like, uh, the kids are there, obviously, too, but a lot of it's Bob. <laughs> and the mom the mom is played by a man. <laughs> yeah, the mom's fantastic, though. So funny. Um, but I do think, like, yeah, okay, so we have a female lead, right, um, in this. So I think that that is something it's like something of a of a progression right to like let it kind of rise and fall with her but i wouldn't i don't think that there's any character and i don't think that there will be i don't think that there's any like this wouldn't be on netflix's like dramas featuring a strong female lead like we're not this isn't olivia pope we're talking about do you know what i mean because the show isn't meant for something like that so i think and that said, I don't even think Olivia Pope's the best role model. But, um, yeah, I don't think that the show is supposed to put forth characters that are, like, well-rounded, aspirational individuals. That's not really the point of the show, and I don't think we're going to see that at all. Yeah, that it's it's not, like, a show that's meant to be, I think, explicitly feminist in any way, but just the fact of having that, like, a woman in the lead is itself, like, it's, an, an, you know, a step in the right direction. And right there are direction. great... There are very funny jokes that I think are like, quote unquote, feminist, right? Like they're very, they're, at least it's like aware of that, right? Like it's, there's a lot of like Me Too type stuff in there. Not necessarily Me Too, but like, you know, equality for women, I guess, stuff that is, uh, that's really funny and right on the nose and, and works really well. And she's a big, Princess Bean, that character is a big part of a lot of that. So um, maybe even like the only part of that. So I think in that respect, yes, the show is like brave enough, I think, to to make jokes about that and and be a part of that as opposed to being part of the problem. But I don't think that there's anything particularly like I'm not like, oh, wow, I'm so amazed by how feminist this cartoon is like, no, I'm not. It's just it's just good. It does what it's supposed to do. Well, and it's sort of I mean, I think you can sort of see how they're playing with a couple of different tropes of like the princess who doesn't want to get married is a very sort of classic kind of Disney fairy tale thing. But at the same time, like the sort of like tomboy, like woman who can like, you know, drink as well as like anyone else. Well, that I mean, that's what I'm getting at. Um, so so the problem the problem with Apu is what do is you want from me, Brian? What? <laughs> I've got a I've got a long list. Uh, the problem the problem with Apu is twofold. Um, one of them, I mean, the, the most sort of glaring thing is the fact that it's played by a white actor. But but the other one is that like the um, you know, they, they can make the argument that they're doing ironically 
Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is that most of the comedy from the character comes from these these like big stereotypes of like, you know, the, the, the Indian convenience store clerk. And, um, you know, I, I guess I guess what I'm sort of getting at is, um, you know, I, I I feel like it could be, you know, you, you said that there are feminist jokes and I think that's correct. And, and I think but I think what could be problematic is if all of the jokes are rooted in the fact that this is a woman doing things that we consider to be masculine. You know what I mean? If that's like the, the basis of the comedy, that's a bit of an issue. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's the only uh, the only source of comedy. That's certainly one of the sources of comedy. Um, well, it's also like an eye of the beholder type situation too, right? Because like I don't think of her as very masculine at all. Hmm. Like because she drinks and gambles and doesn't want to get married, doesn't like that in my mind doesn't translate to masculinity. But th but those are sort of like you know like what they would consider to be like traditional values or sort of like yeah almost, almost traditional like, values of the man yeah, drinking yeah, gambling. Of being like. Ter terrible drinking awful people or like yeah that she's almost sort of like this like homer simpson-ish kind of not not in a lot not in all ways but in some ways well she's not she's not a buffoon i mean that's the big that's the biggest right. difference is she's 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 smart she's she's canny you know she's she's like she's not that smart though. well sure she's not she's not worldly yeah. like she's not been outside the castle but she's she's clever i mean she's like you know they, they, I, they established that really early with the gambling scene where she like Wait, the, the the it's a goofy joke, but where she goes three three queens, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, she's yeah. the third queen, right? Um, yeah, and there, there's like a, an episode that I think you guys haven't seen, which revolves entirely around her trying to get a job, um, and and it you know the joke, uh, it, it, for like the first ten minutes is just that she's really bad at every job, um, so like yeah, I think there's there's, there's, there's she's like resourceful and and brave, um, and 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 at times heroic, but at other times is just drunk and like you know selfish that's more and that's more of a class or a cast joke than it is to have any, anything gender related that's just more of like a somebody who's been like locked up in the tower right and i think we're used to seeing like i mean not not entirely but i think we're more used to seeing men as kind of an anti-hero and in some yeah. ways she could be that you know and we're just more used to like daredevil anti-hero being a being a guy as opposed to seeing that in a girl i guess a lot of times the anti-hero when when they're portrayed as a woman tend to be victimized first and then find some vengeance along the way like they become hardened by their trauma and go off and right like Jessica drink Jones. and fight people yeah exactly they're victims first um she isn't, from what I know so far, she isn't necessarily a victim. She's just this girl who doesn't really know what it is she wants. She just knows she doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to be her father's little little princess toy. And uh, she's going to do her thing. And if that means drowning her sorrows in booze or gambling or running off with an elf and a demon, that's what she's going to do. And I think that's actually like, Given that we're talking about a cartoon set in the Middle Ages, I think that's pretty spot on. <laughs> one, of the All other about things, one of the other things that had surprised me when I like had heard about the show being, you know, arc driven and then seeing the first episode where she runs away is that I thought it was going to be much more about her and Elfo and Lucy, you know, wandering the kingdom. I thought it was going to be Lord of the Ringsy. Yeah, and having adventures. And in fact, you know, in the second episode, they bring her back to, you know, her to dreamland and her father's palace very quickly. And and in fact, like the show that the, the, it's not them on the road. It's actually like still in this like medieval city for, for large stretches of it, um, which I think like maybe provides more opportunities for comedy and also means that these characters that they've established, like her father and her stepmother, um, get to be recurring characters, but sort of took it in a different direction than I was expecting. So I, I asked you guys this question after the, uh, the last episode we did, which was about the episode before, about whether you guys were going to continue watching The Rain. And I think we all said we were going to, and I don't think any of us actually did. That's no. correct. It sounds, like, it sounds like everyone is invested enough to at least watch this through the, the what is, is the first season 10 episodes? I think that's right, yeah. I think a lot depends on Maria. <laughs> 
honestly. You, sadly. but you, you seem like you. I, I, I would say that of the three of us, you're definitely the most into it. Me? Yeah. You think so? I think you're definitely the most into it. You're like talking to me about the feminism of a cartoon character right now. Well, he's talking about the last. You're the most into. He's it. questioning the okay? feminism of the cartoon. <laughs> no, I, I okay, okay, but I, I guess I guess a, a, a better way to put it is, you know, granted, like I I've got more invested in it in that, like you know, like I the Simpsons or Futurama are very important, but I, I do think you derive the most enjoyment out of it. Is that safe to say? I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed that it was a lot question, too. Right? There were there were times where I was like watching this like in my room and laughing very loudly to the point where I thought my roommate was probably assuming that like I was insane. Yeah, I, I laughed a lot and I think it's super funny. Um, like it's not, here's the thing though with me, like I can like a show a lot. It doesn't necessarily mean I'll watch a lot of it because I have like these, these staples of my television diet that are like the most important, you know what I mean? The base of the, of the food pyramid, so to speak. <laughs> like and ER. like, ER is one of them. Yeah, I like all the sinister stuff. Sharp objects. There's some reality television that I'm super serious about, Bachelor in Paradise. And like that takes up whatever's left over, you know, <laughs> is left over. Um and I will like dabble in other things. So this, this is not shot like up to the top would, of that list. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely something that I would dabble in. You know what I mean? But it's not like I'm not dying to but here's the thing, though, living in like a two person household with the one TV, like, you know, if Maria gets really into something, we tend to binge it. So and I really have this strong suspicion that she's going to love this. She might not, but I think she will. She really likes cartoons. She likes a- cartoons for adults a lot. So, yeah, it also feels very bingeable, except for that <laughs> first episode, which is both not as good and also is 35 minutes, which I think is it's so long. long. I was like watching with a friend she came over and was watching with me last night and she she was like how long is this show and i was like probably like 23 24 minutes and she was like okay and we finished and i was like holy shit that was not 23 minutes it's interesting how much 10 minutes of of like a show can make a difference you know because i felt like it just dragged yeah um yeah, so and I'm glad that the, it seems like subsequent subsequent episodes are maybe a little bit longer than a Simpsons episode, but not dramatically. They're like in the 25, 27 minute range. So they're they're afforded the ability to just make them as long or as short as they want because it's not a commercial right. block. But they don't necessarily. Hopefully, they don't feel like oh, this means we can do an hour long episode because I'm not sure that'll be great. Um, Brian, are you are you, are you going to keep watching? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I think I probably liked it the least I, I this is such a stupid quibble but this is the kind of thing i care about i thought the animation was really terrible huh i because i liked i mean I, it was very noticeable when they did the um and which i think futurama also did you know sort of like the, the 3d the 3d like yeah and that was fine i liked that i i just thought that the character animation compared to to, to futurama or you know modern simpsons was kind of poor and that took me out of it a little bit um but yeah i mean i'll, I'll yeah i'll keep watching i mean <laughs> Again, I have so much invested in The Simpsons that, yeah, I'm like, of course I'm going to, I'm going to watch, even if I hated it, I would watch every damn episode. Even, I mean, and even of subsequent seasons too, even if, even if season one ends and you're like, I did not like that. I found it a huge disappointment. You would keep going with season two. I mean, it might be playing on the background while I'm cleaning my apartment. Right. Okay. All right. Well, um, there you go. We'll all keep watching some of us more, with more excitement. Once I finish the rain, I'm going <laughs> to... As soon as the rain is completed. Oh, my God. I can't believe we spent a whole episode on that. I don't know. That was, that was better than we expected. I still could go back and finish it at some point. It was point. a real dumb plot, but I think we... Don't anyway, say it. You're not going to go back and We don't need to dive back into yeah. We don't need to talk about it. I right. apologize for even... Right. It but I could actually... like I could imagine maybe like doing a subsequent episode about the rest of the season of... Uh, okay. Well, that's not going to happen. All right. Oh, okay. Well, disenchantment might happen. At the end of the year, you should do an episode where you actually like go back and talk about the things that you kept watching. <laughs> right. We can do like a tally or something. Um, cool. Well, let's wrap it up then. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, thank you to Anchor for hosting us and again for uh, making, making us sound pretty. Making us sound pretty ish, as, as good as you know anyone can do. Um, we were, I think the, the studio <laughs> actually opens next week, but they were nice enough to let us in 
a little early. Um, yeah. yeah, it's if you're in Manhattan, you can you get free studio time here. Yeah, I, I, I get the sense that there is a lot of demand right now, so you should uh, sign up as soon as possible if you're interested. Um, and if you enjoy the podcast, as always, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. And uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And Jordan, thanks as always, and thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, fellas, and thank you, listeners. Bye-bye. 